So this happened. Dawn and I went to a movie last night. I uh, went to see a movie, the big, the big Sick. Good movie. Great movie. I re- recommend it, actually, uh, A Tale for Our Times. And Dawn paid cash, and I wasn't part of the transaction other than, I think, two for The Big Sick. And she took care of the cash, and, I, and then I took the tickets, and I'm, I looked at how much it cost, and it didn't cost that much. And I was curious about this as we gave the guy our tickets, and he told us, we're in Theater 9. Okay, great. We're walking towards Theater 9. I looked down. I'm still perplexed. It didn't seem like it was the right dollar amount. And on the ticket, it read, Senior. <laughs> so I was a little taken aback, and I didn't really think about it anymore other than it bugged me for the next three hours. <laughs> and then when we were walking out, it was still bothering me, so I pulled the tickets back out, and I go, they, we didn't ask for this, we're now, but we're now officially seniors, apparently. And uh, then I looked closer, only one of the tickets said senior. <laughs> Only one said senior, and the other one was the regular price, and I knew there something wasn't right. So then there was this discussion, which of us was the senior? It was a lovely conversation, and uh, I just finally conceded and said, okay, I must be the senior. I'm not sure what to do about this. It's obviously still bugging me. Um, I don't... Uh, know what to do right now, honey, other than on the way home, we need to stop. I need prune juice. (laughs) So there you go. It's got absolutely nothing to do with this morning. Perhaps. What is the age you become a senior, by the way, for movies? What is it? 55? Neither one of us are 55. (laughs) All right. Uh, Piecing life together. Listen up today, all right? Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 18. Three short verses, but man, do they pack a punch. The bigger our view of God, the bigger the space is for people in the community of God to live, breathe, move, and navigate through all of life. That's a great message on a morning where there is the celebration of an open table because of the person and work of Jesus Christ. Let's, uh, let's read this together, shall we? Let's do this together. That means in unison. Because I'm old now, I'm going to start repeating myself is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning of the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. The reading of God's word. Let's, let's pray.
loving and holy God, the songs could not have been tethered together more fruitfully with this text this morning. We worship you, King of kings, Lord of lords, this day. You are the head. You are the source. You are the firstborn. You are the supreme one. You are bigger than all of our minds together and in all of our capability and capacity to imagine how great you truly are. You surpass even that. And yet in the midst of your infinity, your eternality, and all of those big theological words, for some reason you care about every single one of us here this day. Thanks be to God. Challenge us, inspire us, nurture us, transform us in your strong, powerful, and holy name we pray. Amen. A couple of weeks ago, our staff was out on the lawn over here with the um, Camino Immigration Service staff, and we were checking out the uh, eclipse. Anybody check out the eclipse? All right. Checked out the eclipse, and we didn't have enough goggles, you know, the glasses, things. And uh, so we were talking and joking around and passing the glasses around. And I was reminded, and I mentioned this, I believe, even last week or the week before, I was reminded of an aspect of my childhood that I honestly had long since forgotten. I was a part of a NASA space club when I was a kid. And I would get every month these, this kit from NASA because I was so enthralled with space and the cosmos and the astronauts that I just would get this every month and I'd take the stickers and I'd, you know, I think I explained to you, I'd put stickers on my forehead and on my face and on the booklets, which is where you're supposed to be, but I was a boy. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. So you put them everywhere but where they're supposed to go, right? I'll never forget as a kid during that time, with my dad especially, he and I were really into this together. There was one year, and you know, it seemed like astronauts were blasting off and going into space quite frequently, right? One year, it was Christmas Eve, the Apollo 8 spacecraft circled the Earth numerous times, and this was a significant achievement for us in the United States. Anybody remember that? Or am I dating myself? I am a senior now. But it was fascinating what happened on this particular Christmas Eve as the astronauts were in their space capsule circling the earth. They did something profound. And you know what it was? They took turns reading Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And they made their way through all of Genesis chapter 1 and all of Genesis chapter 2, while us, humankind, people on the blue dot, sat and listened to the transmission being sent back to earth. What a pulpit. What a congregation. You know, Apollo 8 circling as the pulpit, the preachers, these astronauts, and everybody that inhabited the earth heard what they were sending back. Profound, huh? I thought so too. I mean, Apollo is the most daring of all the Greek gods. And yet he was getting schooled at his own game. And yet in the midst of this powerful, 
reading of the word of God, proclaiming the cosmic God in Jesus Christ, all of humankind sat and listened. Whoa. Have you ever wondered what's out there? Who's out there? Is there really a God? And if so, what kind of God is it? He or she, actually God is neither, kind of transcends sexuality. This, mes this message this morning is going to help us, I think, peace life together in chaotic times by giving us a much grander view of who God is and how remote we are in the grand scheme of things. And I hope through that, gain a sense of, whoa, chill out. God may just actually have this thing after all. It's really a message that can move us beyond, and here's some big words, you're going to love these, put on your thinking caps, agnosticism. You know what that is? To be an agnostic means that, yeah, I believe that there is a God, however, I live my life like there isn't one. So there's kind of this compartmentalization. God, yes, not imminent and a part of my life. Not really. I think this message also has something to say to us as Christians who are more Gnostic than material. Gnosticism is, this, is a belief system that in order to grow spiritually, I have to reject most of the things that happen on the earth, and I climb a ladder of spiritual enlightenment, and I finally reach Jesus in the sky. This is a powerful text. Three short verses. Notice in the text, words like this. Jesus is the firstborn, Jesus is the head, Jesus is the supreme. Had to make sure I got the right numbers on my finger. This text right here is perhaps the reason I chose the book of Colossians, because we need to get this straight. We've got to get our heads screwed on right before we know how to navigate a really chaotic world. This will help us piece life together. It's kind of the starting point after prayer. Because our view of God and the way God works in the world has become so me-driven. It's that myopic. We're really good with um, uh, Jesus, the bobblehead guy on, the, on our dashboards in our car. My buddy, Jesus. Me and Jesus. We're really good with that kind of theological thinking. That's so small. Jesus is so small. There's no room for anyone or anything other than my bobblehead buddy and me. And this text absolutely explodes that myth. Like an Apollo spacecraft circling the moon. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You see, the bigger our view of Christ, the more room there is for all of us navigate this thing called life. I looked up uh, some of these words that are in our text. Firstborn, head, supreme. Check this out. Supreme. S-U-H dash P-R-E-E-M. 
Here's what it means. Highest in rank or authority. Paramount. Sovereign. Chief. Of highest quality. Degree or importance. Supreme is the greatest. The utmost. The extreme. The ultimate. This morning we're going to get a three-dimensional view of what it looks like for God to be that supreme in Jesus Christ. Jesus is three, sorry, is supreme in three primary dimensions. And these dimensions all start with C. Ready? Jesus is supreme in the cosmos. Jesus is supreme in creation. And Jesus is supreme in the universal church of God in Jesus Christ. So in your notes, I thought it was kind of fun. I had a little fun there. Uh, Jesus is supreme in these three dimensions. It's 3D seeing. Letter C. How about a few more adjectives to get the heart pumping, huh? I hope this is inspiring. This might be all I got, ever. Jesus is, here's what it means. He's the absolute. He's the best. He's the cardinal. He's the crowning. He's the culminating. He's the excellent. He's the final. He's the first. He's the foremost. He's the head. He's the highest. He's incomparable. He's the leader. He's marvelous, matchless, maximum, peerless, perfect, predominant, preeminent, prevailing, prime, superb, superlative, surpassing, the top, the towering, the unequaled, the unmatched, the unparalleled, the unsurpassable, and the unsurpassed. Whoever said amen, do you have any oxygen? Wow. So what do we mean in this first dimension that Jesus is the first in the cosmos? First before even there is the cosmos. Any scientists out there? Great. Thank you, Jesus, baby. Have you ever heard of initial singularity? Great. One person. Initial singularity. This is phenomenal. Scientist, astrophysicist. Uh, this is the state just before everything explodes into being. It's an unfathomably compressed state, let your mind try to get around this, in which our entire universe, every galaxy, every star, every planet, every molecule, every atom, every photon, every quark, not quirk, quark, in every direction, as far as the eye can see and beyond, without any instrument, everything that there is, this will blow your mind, can fit into a space smaller than a sugar cube. What? That's initial singularity, according to scientists. Everything that there is can fit. I should have brought a sugar cube. I'm getting old now. I forget things. Sugar cube, everything before it hit, it hit, that's called initial singularity. This text tells us that before initial singularity can happen, Jesus Christ is. In initial singularity, the laws of physics don't exist as we know them now. In fact, Beth, back then, space and time was so compressed that matter and energy were the same thing. And the four fundamental forces of physics, 
Gravity, electromagnetism, the strong and the weak nuclear forces were just one unified field or force. There was no light, there was no dark, there was no separation of space, matter, or energy. And there was probably no time either. The clock wasn't ticking, I love this line, nor was it not ticking. Everything was one, a single field, energy, space thing with the potential to create everything. In fact, our language in mathematics, we don't have the right language in mathematics to describe how infinite and profound this initial singularity actually is, or was. And yet, my friends, before initial singularity, there was Trinity. Are you getting inspired right now? Are you getting pumped up? If you're not, please check your pulse. <laughs> to know Jesus is to know this God. This Jesus in our text is an image, is an icon that preceded this singularity. Before everything that happens, scientists believe, was this initial singularity. Then the explosion, or the creation, whichever you prefer. Scientists now believe that we live in an expanding universe. This is fascinating. That began about 13.8 billion years ago. We inhabit the Milky Way galaxy. It's an enormous system. Please don't delete what is in here. I don't know it by heart. The Milky Way galaxy is an enormous system of stars of which our sun is a single and yet rather insignificant member, according to Amy Plantinga Powell. Neil, Neil deGrasse Tyson has dramatized the brevity of the human existence within this larger cosmic story by laying out the whole history of the universe to this point in the course of a calendar of one year. Are you following me? He prorated 13.8 billion years into a 12-month calendar. I have no idea how he did that, but he did. In this 12-month imaginary cosmic calendar, it shows all of what we think of as human history. And do you know when human history took place in this imaginary calendar? The last minute of the last hour of the last day of the universe. What? You see, God is so much bigger than you or I or my perceived notions of what it means for God to be God, for Jesus to be Jesus. And those are just the things that we think we know right now. People, humanity, faith communities, we are but a blink of an eye in the history of the universe. That's how big the cosmic Jesus Christ truly is. My friends, when we pray to Jesus Christ, he's got to be more than my bobblehead buddy sitting on the dashboard of my car. And for the record, I don't have one. Although I'm tempted to buy one just for the sheer insanity of it. 
That's the Jesus Christ that we pray to. That's the really big God that we know. It humbles me, does it not? So that's the first dimension that we need to understand because Jesus Christ is firstborn over all creation. He is the head of that. He is the supreme one of that. Okay, dimension two. He's firstborn in creation. He's head over all creation, everything that we see now. You may not realize this, but the sky is like a time machine. Light moves really fast. You remember that, right? I didn't do really well in high school, but I do remember that. I think I told you once, you either graduate summa cum laude, magna cum laude, cum laude, or thank you, laude. I was, thank you, Lordy, get me out of here. I, I think I told you that once. If I haven't, now you know. Light moves really fast, but things in space are incredibly far away. And traveling at 186,000 miles per second, which is the speed of light, it doesn't cover much ground on a cosmic scale. So when we look at the moon, you, you got to love this, we are actually seeing the moon as it was 1.3 seconds ago. When we look at the sun, we're looking at the sun as it appeared eight minutes ago. When we look at Saturn right now, through a microscope, <laughs> yeah, that. <laughs> I couldn't find my keys this morning. I knew it was going to be a problem. I knew it was gonna be a problem. When we look at Saturn through the telescope, I almost said microscope again, what we're seeing was about 80 minutes ago as it appeared. And the scale gets even bigger when we leave our solar system. If we were to look at Proxima Centauri, one of the stars nearest our own, what we're looking at, actually we're seeing, was from 4.2 years ago at 186,000 miles per second. If we look at Orion's belt and look at the three primary stars, this is crazy, one of the stars is 736 years ago, another of the stars is 1,340 years ago, and the third of the stars is 915 years ago, even before there was a thing called the United States of America. Andromeda, which is the closest major galaxy to our Milky Way, if we were to look at it right now through a telescope, it would take us back 2.5 million years before Jesus. What we see right now happened before Jesus. What? So God's a pretty big God. In an inspiring and transformational way, I would think. I've often wondered while I was on airplanes, has anybody else ever done this? When you sit and read, I can, I can read faster and more uh, content on an airplane. You know why? Because at 500 miles an hour, the seconds actually go slower than when I'm sitting at my desk reading a book in my office. So I can literally read faster. What? Huh? 
I mean, I'm not kidding you. There are times I'm like, I'll start a book at the beginning of the flight, and I'll be done with the book at the end of the flight, three, four, five hours later, and I'm like, how did that happen? That's why. It's craziness. And yet, Jesus Christ is bigger than that. Jesus Christ is bigger than our sufferings. Jesus Christ is bigger than our death. Jesus Christ is so much bigger than our hurts and our habits and our ridiculously comical hang-ups. <laughs> and we think that our hurts and habits and hang-ups are only unique to us when the reality is, welcome to the human race. We all got hurts and habits and hang-ups. And yet, this cosmic Christ that's so much bigger still really cares. Okay, that's two of the three dimensions. I got to get rolling here. Third dimension. Dimension three, Christ is first in the church. Church, capital C, you know, the whole movement of the people of God on the planet. And I, it's probably time for a Capernaum, Copernican revolution in the way we view the church. And I would suggest let's zoom out in the way we view the church so that we can see the church not just as little missional hubs in little corners and little streets, but we begin to see the church as the movement of the people of God around the planet because as Mr. Rogers said, if you want to know where God is, watch in catastrophe for the people who run in and are the first responders. That's the church at work. They're there. If we zoom out to see them. Perhaps it's time to move our viewpoint of the church from being so small to being just that big. We're a part of that movement called the body of Jesus Christ, church universal. And yet the cosmic Christ stands in the center of that place too. You know why? Because pastors come and go, churches come and go, but the church is always here and Jesus Christ is always at the center. That's a Copernican revolution in our understanding of the cosmic nature of Christ in the center of every congregation. Whoa. Let me tell you a fun little story. Just I hope these other ones were fun. There's a Canadian ethnographer called Richard Cool, uh, and I came across this story in a book called Flow. That's wow, that's an interesting word. That'd be a really cool sermon title, sermon series title, Flow. Uh, he wrote there was a book called Flow, which actually is where I, I stole that idea for our series Flow. And he tells the story of a British Columbia, Canada, first people tribe called the Shishwap. They lived in a rich region, region in Canada. A lot of salmon, game, below ground food resources, roots, tubers. Uh, it, was, it was a plentiful land. In this region, uh, the people would live in permanent village sites and utilize the environment for the resources so that they could live well. They had great technologies, very elaborate technologies uh, for their day. 
They were able to very effectively manage for the social and the common good. Yet the elders, in their infinite wisdom, decided, and this is a strategic move and you got to love it, the, the elders decided that every 25 to 30 years, for the health, where, welfare, and benefit of the village, they needed to uproot everything and move to a new location. You know why? Science gives us fact. Jesus gives us meaning. And part of being in a life of meaning and purpose and significance means that it includes struggle. So the notion of lifting up your roots, going to a new place, finding new streams to fish, new areas to harvest, let alone then let the environment regenerate itself from where you were, brings a sense of God in the midst of a transformational process. Those elders of that shushwap, I just want to say shushwap, apparently three times now, again, they knew what they were talking about. Because in that place, everyone would feel rejuvenated and healthy and allowed the land that they had been on for 30 years to recover after all those years of harvest. Church needs to do this, metaphorically. We do. We need to pick up our tents. We need to pick up our people to redefine our location and to understand what our struggles are for this day and enter into those struggles because there's a cosmic Jesus Christ that stands at the center saying to all of us, I got this. Through you. Because the bigger Jesus is, the bigger our vision for what can be accomplished can be. Audience participation for a moment. Can I go three more minutes or do you need to get to brunch? Because I don't really know, man. I, thank you. Let me tell you, let me remind you what the big vision for PPC is. A year ago, the session wrote a, a narrative, and perhaps not good on me, I don't talk about this as much as perhaps I ought to. Um, here's what the session of PPC believes the vision of the church perhaps ought to be in 2020 as we metaphorically pick up our tents and move them a little bit. Jesus Christ is the same, never going to change. Let me read the narrative. A lot of people worked on this. I want to give them credit. In 2020, PPC will continue to flourish with membership growing through outreach to the unchurched parts of our community. Our church embraces all people, particularly the emerging generation, families, and people from various cultural backgrounds. The church remains a vibrant place of worship where a learning body of followers are committed to use prayer and study scripture to relate to each other, like we're doing today, and the kingdom of God. These interactions among believers continue a spiritual awakening. New life, flourishing. That pr produces a transformational process within the congregation and the neighborhood. PPC finds its campus energized with multiple times of worship and discipleship opportunities happening throughout the week. Our primary focus is sharing the good news of the gospel and making disciples of Jesus Christ. 
Expanded collaboration with the community allows us to continue serving people in their need in local, regional, and international settings. Last paragraph. Our community of faith develops interpersonal relationships. That'd be us. Through our daily interactions with our neighbors. So it's an outing of us and our community. Spaces have been... Spaces have been created, and we can create these spaces if Jesus Christ is that big. If Jesus Christ is really small, there will be no space. If Jesus Christ is not truly the cosmic Christ that we've been talking about in this letter to the church of Colossae, there will be no space for all people. Those spaces have been created where spontaneous and repeated interactions occur. They facilitate expanded personal contacts. Each interaction develops trust among people from different stages of life. I love that. Allowing them to become comfortable and confide in one another. I love that. These relationships provide a path to partner with our neighbors, engaging with the community, shoulder to shoulder as equals. Only a big cosmic Jesus Christ can create space in a little corner church for something like this to occur. Are you up for challenge? Here's the challenge, and I'm going to do more audience participation, and I'm going to be done in two minutes. If we surrender to the supremacy of Christ in the cosmos, in the creation, and in this church... If we do this, if we say yes, it means we say yes to Jesus Christ being first in our life. We say yes to Christ being first in our family. We say yes to him being first in our relationships, first in our professions, first in our ministry, first in our mission, first in our traditions, first in our matters of intellect, first in our matters of our thought life, first in matters of time, first in matters of love, first in matters of conversation, first in matters of imagination, first in matters of pleasure, first in matters in what we eat and what we play and what sport we like to watch and engage in, first in matters of art, first in matters of music, first in matters of worship, first, first, first in all matters. First in all things, so help us, God. Do you want to stay, say first to God in all matters? If you do, I'm going to invite you right now to stand. And we're going to read this text together as our response. And as a declaration of our faith. Let's read it one more time together. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head. Wait, where'd we go? He is the beginning of the firstborn from among the dead. So then everything 
he might have the supremacy. Thank you. You may be seated. A little bit to chew on there, right? God is good. We enter a time in the life of the church in the liturgical calendar. Beginning today, it's called a season. This is kind of cool. A season of making peace. We enter a season in the liturgical calendar right now. A season of making peace. And making peace, we make peace with God. We make peace with each other. We make peace with creation. We've got a lot of work to do in making peace. This table is an open table. It's, it's open to anybody that would say yes to Jesus Christ as 